We have a new World Series champion, the Atlanta Braves, an unlikely title winner, but man, do they deserve it as the World Series is over. And now the winter begins. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. MLB Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This episode is brought to you in part by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify app and check out one of our Locked On rooms. And hey, thank you for making Locked On MLB your first listen as we're available for free on all your podcasting sites. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sully. If you watch on YouTube, you see right there. You can call me Sully. The Braves are the World Series champs. That is the topic of today's podcast. And Jake Mastriani of Lockdown Braves is stopping by to give his very raw thoughts because the World Series ended about, what, an hour ago? Something like that when we're recording this. This was being dropped on the third day of November 2021. Alas, there is no Game 7. You can follow us. At Lockdown and Milby Pods on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm your pal Sully. I'm in Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So there you have it. The World Series is over. The Braves won in was not exactly a classic game, unless you're a Braves fan. It was a pretty much a done deal very, very early on. But hey, enough of my yapping. I want to know what Jake Mastriani of Lockdown Braves thought about this. Instead of just wondering, let's ask him. Jake, how you doing, man? Hey. Your team won the World uh, Series. Yeah, doing great, Sully. I mean, what a wild ride it has been. Uh, but yes, they get it done in game six. This time they get the early lead and they are able to hold on to it with Max Freed on the mound. Yeah, I mean, in game five, the the game on Halloween, I mean, it was, what, 4 nothing in the first inning. And it really just felt like it was going to be a corner. It looked like the game that happened tonight was going to happen on on uh, Halloween night. This was basically the what I thought was unfolding right there. But yeah, uh, the only difference was it was Max Breed that was coming back out on the mound, and not a twenty-five year old rookie in Tucker Davidson. So, uh, I mean, it was a little bit different feeling. Uh, Max Breed clearly had it going on and I was so glad for him you know I may be happiest for him in this one because he got a raw deal of things in game two uh that second inning just kind of got away from him so I was glad he was able to come back out you know make a statement in the world series for the Braves because he is one of the best pitchers in all of baseball I mean the stats back that up especially in the second half of 2021 I mean he was right there with with Max Scherzer as one of the best pitchers in the second half so I was glad to see him do you know, show everybody what he's capable of doing, why he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, so happy for Max Freed. But yeah, a little bit different when you take a big early lead and you have Max Freed coming back out as opposed to Tucker Davidson. I mean, Freed could very easily have pitched the seventh. I mean, like, oh. I, I mean, I'm not going to criticize Snicker because uh, they just won the World Series, but uh, he could very easily have gone on. But, you know, I'll give Max Freed in that game where he had that horrible, what was it, the second or third inning? He had the rotten inning. The second. In, mm-hmm. The second inning, right. Um, he did wind up pitching. He did give him five innings that day. 
And I think that there's something to be said for that when you have a situation where the Braves didn't kill their bullpen that day. And, you know, he did give him a little bit of length. His line looked rotten. But, you know, you, you can't always have your starter go, you know, one-third of an inning. You know, at some point, you're going to have to put some innings on the board. And, man, today, I, I said this on the podcast that I dropped on uh, as a preview for Game 6. I said the reason why I thought the Braves were going to win, I did think the Braves were going to win this game. And I thought they were going to win because of Freed. I thought they would line up Freed, and they had also line up. They didn't have to use Matzek. They didn't have to use Smith. They didn't have to use Jackson in the previous game. And there was a travel day, so they could stretch those pitchers out if they want to. And they wound up getting two innings out of Matzek that were really, really impressive. Yeah, no, that was big. I mean, that was the biggest complaint from Braves fans in Game 5 is when they took that early lead, you know, Snicker didn't try to keep his foot on the pedal by bringing in those big guys. You know, he did eventually bring in Mentor, but it was, you know, a little late at that point. The Astros had already tied it up. But even in a two-run game late, they brought in Drew Smiley instead of Tyler Matzik or Luke Jackson. And so Braves fans were really critical of Snicker in that. But he did it for this reason, because you came into this game knowing you got Max Reed, who's going to give you, you know, at least five innings. And then you have your guys rested. You know, it ended up not really mattering because the offense scored. But you got to think on the Astros side of things, too, how deflating that is to know, you know, they got a lead. It's it's different than game five because, you know, at any moment they're going to go to Matzik or, or Jackson or uh, or Will Smith in that game. So a little bit more of a different feeling. But, yeah, I mean, Max Freed, again, like I said, just a rough go of it in game two. I mean, you go back and watch that second inning. You know, it's a ball that beats the shift. It's a dribbler hit at 60 miles per hour. It's an error. You know, you you actually look at the analytics from that game, and he was not that bad. His final line looks bad, but he wasn't that bad. And I talked about it on the podcast after that game. He retired 10 in a row after that. And I said, yeah. that's going to give him a lot of confidence going into his next start, you know, knowing what he can do, knowing he can dominate this lineup. But still, the first inning in this game, what does he do? He gives up an infield single to Altuve and another dribbler that ended up being an error to Brantley. Before you know it, there's two on nobody out, and he's got to be thinking, not again, not let this happen again. And we saw Max Free just really go into attack mode. I mean, he hit 98 with his fastball in this game. The fast really big max free the outing that he had and like you said he could have gone longer but and i wanted him to just for this he was throwing so well i wanted it for him but at the same time he emptied the tank i mean he was throwing harder than he ever had before so again you can't criticize snicker for pulling him out because they did win the world series but i think free gave it all he had for six innings you had the easy you know big lead there so you know lean on your your guys in the bullpen that got you here by the way, sorry for that little glitch there. I'm not sure why that little glitch happened. Those YouTube watchers saw there was a little uh, – we lost Jake for one second there. Not sure why that happened, but, hey, uh, speaking of glitches, as someone who was rooting for the Red Sox in the American League Championship Series, it was something else to watch, save for the Game 5 uh, slugfest, that the Astros' bats, who seemed to be able to score at will against Chicago and Boston – were dead. I mean, Jordan Alvarez was out hit by Zach Greinke. I mean, it was a, a tremendous accomplishment. And, and I think you can ask yourself how dead were the bats of Houston, but you also then have to say how just top to bottom deep 
the bullpen was for Atlanta because they certainly were. Yeah, we talked about it, you know, when we were previewing uh, this World Series, the fact that I thought a lot of people really underestimated this Braves pitching staff. Um, you know, you went into that Brewers I was series. Yeah, I was yep. me, me, absolutely me. <laughs> I mean, you because you charged. went into the Brewer, you went into the Brewers series, and all the talk was about their starting pitching, which was great. And the Brewers, I think, did have the best starting pitching in all of baseball. But the Braves pitching matched them, you know, tit for tat in that series. You know, and then you go against that Dodgers lineup, which is really good. I mean, if if the Astros are the best, I got to think the Dodgers offense lineup, top to bottom, is is up there. You know, top three, top five, and they shut them down as well. And then they face the Astros, the best offense in baseball. I mean, there's no denying that. That lineup is just ridiculous. I mean, they had Guriel hitting eight for part of the series. I mean, the the batting champion. So, and and the Braves hold them to two runs or less in all four of their wins, shut them out in two games. I mean, you have to give a ton of credit to the Braves pitching staff, and that's after they lost Charlie Morton, their game one starter. So, I mean, just incredible job by the pitching staff. The bullpen, which everybody said was their one Achilles heel, their one weak spot coming into the postseason, they were lights out. Tyler Matzik, Will Smith, Luke Jackson. Luke Jackson had some hiccups in the Dodgers series, but other than that was really good. A.J. Minter was amazing um, as well. So, yeah, that Braves pitching staff, I mean, a lot of credit to them for what they did, not just in this series, but the entire postseason. Well, look at this is the sort of thing that get people talking left and right, the way the team was put together, the way they call us off guard. It's the sort of thing you can make predictions when you talk to other sports fans. And I know I was wrong about the Braves. I underestimated it at every turn. But this is the kind of thing that sparks a lot of conversation about sports. If you want to talk about sports and spark conversations with other fans, what you should do is you should download the Green Room app. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk to other fans, other hosts. Hey, do you, have you done the, the Green Room before? Yes, I have done the Green Room. It's a great place yeah. where you can talk with other fans and insiders. Yeah, it's great. You got watch parties, joint conversations, debates, post-game breakdowns. People like me a few weeks ago would have been saying, oh, the Braves don't have a chance. Braves don't have a chance. They're, they're probably going to get swept. Look at that. I've got an omelet on my face from all the egg. And you know what? You can find out locked on hosts. I've been there. You've been there. I know Stacey Gatsoulias and you know Javi Reyes. A lot of really cool green rooms have been out there. So look at Here's what you got to do. You got to download the green room app now right now and it's currently available on all ios devices be sure to create a profile link your twitter join the mlb group for the latest updates it's gonna be a ton of incredible rooms for your favorite teams favorite leagues and i can't wait for you to join the app be sure to let you know on lockdown mlb room is live download the green room app today green room is changing the way we talk sports we're here with jake mastriani who's gonna have to change the name of his show to a locked on World Series champion Atlanta Braves. Um, let's just face it, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You could never have any sort of, uh, I guess, post trade deadline breakdown and determine who the winner was because I guarantee you nobody had the winner of the trade deadline being the Braves who basically reconstructed their outfield and got two postseason MVPs in Rosario and Soler. I mean, it's unbelievable how they remade their club, but 
I mean, here we are. I mean, I mean, obviously Rosario had the unbelievable series against Los Angeles, and then Soler hits those hits three. What was it? Three go-ahead home runs he hit, or something crazy mm-hmm. like that? That was insane. Yep. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's it's insane that all four of those moves really worked out. I mean, Alex Antopoulos did that in a bunch, you know, hoping one or two of them hit and, you know, change things around. But all four guys really contributed. I mean, Adam Duvall led the league in RBI. I mean, Jock Peterson had some big home runs early in the postseason, kind of cooled off late. But either way, he brought the pearls, you know. So, yeah. um, and, and well, and, and I make that joke about that, but – this clubhouse was not great at midseason. You had the stuff going on with Ozuna, you know, and then the Acuna injury. I mean, this clubhouse was not in a great place. And I was saying all along, you know, they just need somebody fresh in there, a new attitude. And that really, maybe more than anything, is what I think sparked it. Because, yeah, the guys they traded for with were great. But if you go back and look at it, it was Freddie Freeman. It was Austin Riley. It was Ozzie Albies. It was the guys that were already there that really picked it up and, you know, Austin Riley's going to get MVP votes. Freddie should as well. So, right. I, I mean, it, as great as those, you know, complimentary pieces were, you know, those were needed to get where they needed to go. But it was also the other guys that just elevated it. And again, I just, I think making those trades more than anything, just rejuvenated those players in the clubhouse who had had such a rough start to go. A lot of stuff going on again with the Ozuna off the field stuff losing Acuna, which just had to be devastating. I think it just more than anything, it, the morale of that team after the trade deadline is a big part of what, you know, sparked them to come back and win that division, which they were losing into August and then just remain hot into the postseason. Yeah. And I think that I, I for one, Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of my favorite players in baseball. I, I'm, I can't claim to be a Braves fan, but I love watching Acuna play. I, I love that he's one of these, he, he reminds me of this again, going to age me a little bit, but when Eric Davis made his uh, debut and for the first few years that he played for Cincinnati in the mid 1980s, he, he was like a Cooney junior. He hit for power. He was a solid hitter. His defense was off the charts. I mean, Eric Davis would steal like 70, 80 bases and have like 35 home runs and make highlight reel catches. And, and, and they were similar um, physical builds too. Like they weren't, you know, Davis wasn't like a, a, a bulked up Michelin man and neither is Acuna Jr., but they're very athletic and they're very, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're, they have very high baseball IQs, but also have a very, you know, solid baseball physique. And I, I, you know, when you lose a player who was putting together a season where he was on the short list of the MVP vote and you look up and you say it's a losing season, uh, you it seems like the smart thing to do is to cut bait. And now uh, my cousin Dave, who is a rabid New York Mets fan, pointed this out to me that since the turn of the century, every single National League East team has won at least one World Series title, except the New York except Metropolitans. Yeah, and yeah, no, you know, it, it's been tough for them. Well, and they were in first place for for uh, so two thirds of the season. You yeah. know, for about two thirds of the season, they were in first, and the whole idea was it's a it was a weak division, and they were going to win it basically by default because the Braves were injured, the Phillies couldn't get out of their own way. 
the Nats were rebuilding and the Marlins, even though they made the playoffs in the shortened season, weren't ready. So it was going to be the Mets just by default. And now I imagine a Met fan watching this saying the NL East team managed to be the team celebrating. I'm sure there's a lot of them superimposing Mets hats on Freddie Freeman and, uh, mm. uh, you know, and Ozzy Albies right now. Yeah, and you talk about that. I mean, uh, the big thing too was, and, and Alex talked about it. You know, he said he doesn't look at the standings till after the trade deadline. Well, he looked at the standings and said nobody's running away with this thing. Yeah, we're gonna go in for it. You know, th- this team, the the bulk of this team is still good. You still got Charlie Morton. You still got Max Fried. You still got uh, Freddie Freeman. You still got Ozzy Albies. You're having a tremendous season from Austin Riley. So I mean, the pieces were there. The nobody in the division ran away with it. So yes, let's go for it. Let's give this team a chance, and he did. So uh, yeah, I mean, the division, the division is what it is. But this team in the second half, this Braves team, just completely different from the first half. You you know, everybody wanted to look at the 88 wins for the Braves. Yeah. This is at the end of the year. This was not an 88 win team. I mean. It, there's just no way around that. I mean, this is the team from beginning to end. We're looking at a 95 win team. So, you know, everybody just wanted to look at 88 overall wins from this Braves team. You know, they, they don't deserve to be here. They're not very good. Those people weren't paying attention because this was one of the best teams in baseball after the trade deadline. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, up until the trade deadline, uh, I remember speaking on a, on a Braves show that your predecessor had me on. And I was saying that the Braves were the single most disappointing team of 2021 because I thought going into the the regular season, I said the only team that could prevent the California uh, National League team being in the World Series were the Braves. Now, of course, I thought they were going to be fighting it out with the Padres and the Dodgers and not the mm-hmm. Giants and the Dodgers. And I didn't think that this was going to be a team that was going to be sub 500 at the trade deadline. But in the end, I turned out to be right, even though my reason wasn't, it, it didn't line up with reality too much. I, I've said it before, said it again. I think it's Anthopolis is going to show as uh, a great example for teams that are underachieving but still within striking distance. If they're underachieving, meaning that they're not playing up to their potential, you can get them to the point where you say, play to your potential just for a third of the season, and you'll be in great shape. And I think the smart thing that he did as he clearly won the trade deadline was he didn't make the big splash. They weren't in in on, um, you know, like Max Scherzer or whatever big star was out there. They just made sure a major leaguer was at each position And maybe a major leaguer who, I mean, Soler is a great example that he was in a slump. He was not playing well with Kansas City, but he was better than his numbers indicated. So KC got the bad two-thirds of the season, and the Braves got the good one-third of a season. Like, things even out. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, look, so part of the season, the Braves had Orlando Arcia in left field, Guillermo Heredia in center field, and Abraham Almonte in right field. And they ran out those guys for far too long. Uh, and Alex yeah. had to fix that. I mean, and that's what that's what good GMs do. And, you know, I've talked about it a lot. It's not who you are in April. It's who you are in September, in August. And, you know, the Braves, again, a completely different team. And Topless doesn't win GM of the year, which I think that's voted on before the postseason. But if yeah. he doesn't win it, you know, that's a crying shame with what he did. But you're absolutely right. And they talked about it during the broadcast of game six is, 
you, you know, the Braves went and made these moves, but they didn't jeopardize the future to do so. You know, and so it was very smart of Antopolis saying, okay, you know, I still believe in this team, even though they're below 500. I still believe in this team. So let me go make some moves again to try to energize them. But at the same time, I'm not going to give up our top prospects to do this. And, and so it was very smart on him. And, and he's really done this, you know, his entire time in Atlanta. He's yet to make a big trade where he's given up a ton of prospects. And, and really, it's the one thing is Brace fans that, we kind of been upset about because it's like, when are you going to make that big trade to go out and win a World Series? Well, turns out he didn't need to make a big trade. He just needed to make several really good, really smart trades. Like you said, put big leaguers in spots where you don't have big leaguers right now. Uh, and it worked out. I mean, it, it takes it takes a little bit of luck in that, as I said at the beginning, but at the same time, just very smart maneuvering by Alex Antopoulos to put this team together. And I mean, what a group to win the World Series. Again, everybody talked about it, how much they love playing for each other you know nobody talks about you know what the clubhouse is because you can't see that on paper it's not analytical but this team definitely had something special you know once these guys came over you talked about they didn't sacrifice any of their top prospects or go uh you know any one of their top minor leaguers were not included in any blockbuster deal forget that they got eddie rosario for pablo sandoval you know they were able <laughs> yeah. to i mean some of the things they did were basically that was basically swapping two non-tendered that, you know, mm -hmm. they were going to, they were both were swapping away each other's junk that they were going to get rid of. And the Indians wound up getting rid of Sandoval and the Braves decided to keep Rosario around and they got the National League MVP out of it. I, you know, I got to think about the number of World Series MVPs who started the year with another team. Uh, I mean, I know uh, Don Clendenin did with the Mets in 1969. Uh, and there have been some postseason MVPs who started with another team like Cody Ross. I'm doing some of this off the top of my head. But Cody Ross with the uh, the Giants in 2010 began the year elsewhere. Um, and another one, you know, Ricky Henderson started 89 with the Yankees. They wound up being the ALCS MVP with the A's that year. There are a couple examples of, of that. Uh, um, uh, Mike Devereaux with the 95 Braves. He was the NLCS MVP. But the only, and again, I am doing this from memory. I haven't sat down and really thought of this. The only World Series MVP that I can think of who started the season with another team was Don Clendenin with the 69 Mets. But when you think about some of those players who were acquired in midseason and became the MVP of a postseason series. So with the, the Braves of two, Rosario and Soler, you imagine going to bet online on that and saying, <laughs> okay, <laughs> the NLCS MVP is going to be Eddie Rosario, and the World Series MVP is going to be uh, you know, Jorge Soler. I mean, that is an unbelievable dumb bet if you're going to make even if you went to bet online which is the number one spot for all your betting action whether it's basketball football you know just look at head to their new updated website or mobile device sign up today receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit use promo code locked on to receive the bonus basketball football no not the world series anymore but the nhl boxing ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the other offers for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online is where the game starts. And hey, Jake, one more quick thing. I think what they should do 
is if you lose the World Series, you should get a never-ending supply of built bars. What do you think? Yeah, that should be, I'm definitely that's your good with that. As long as it's, as long as it's the cookies and cream, then yeah. Okay, you're a cookies and cream guy. My favorite one is the raspberry. I like the raspberry one. It's really, it's really great. Um, and look at, it's Thanksgiving time. You know, we're gonna move on. You got all the good foods and treats, plenty of them. If you want a yummy dessert that isn't so calories and full of sugar, that's the perfect time for built bars. Can you believe it? They're suggesting that at the table we carve the turkey, we have our biscuits, we have our gravy. We have our stuffing. We have our turnips. And when that's all done, so where's the pumpkin pies? No, 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 no. Built bars. That's what we're going to do. So really, yeah, yeah. And I bet if you bring out the built bars, just like Miles Standish did in Plymouth Plantation back in 1620, they would have loved to have the coconut built bar or my favorite raspberry built bar, low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, Covered with 100% chocolate. Jake, let me tell you, it's a great option for now look. You got new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Build. Ooh, I hope they have turkey. So check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises, but no stampeding of anybody. It's all online. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Hey, before we get back to Jake Mastriani of Lockdown Braves, let's hear a little bit from our insiders. Kanani Stevens is going to be talking to Gordon Beckham, who at one point was an Atlanta Brave. So let's hear what they have to say. Welcome into another Locked On MLB Insider Report. I'm your host, Kainani Stevens, joined by our MLB Insider, Gordon Beckham. And we're reacting to the new World Series champions. The Braves have taken home their first championship in quite a while. Um, You kind of called it from the beginning, and this game wasn't overly close by any means. But what did you see from the Braves during this series, and how impressed were you in their efforts? Yeah, I think that the Braves really just continued doing what they were doing. I mean, they, they were the hottest team, you know, kind of coming in the playoffs. Their second half was amazing. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But um, they 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 kind of shocked people with taking the Brewers down in, in basically four games and then beat the Dodgers, who everybody thought would be in the World Series again. And so you just kind of saw this, this building. And the first batter of the World Series, it's a home run. And so, Lair, it might be the MVP. I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen who ended up winning it. But anyways, uh, you know, it, just that momentum kind of kept going, um, you know, throughout the playoffs. And you could just tell they were a team of destiny. They were a team uh, that was wanting to win. They were a tight knit group and, and everybody was pulling for each other. You could really see that. And and the Houston also was doing the same thing. But the, the Braves just had something special. Uh and uh, I think before the series, I actually said that they're going to win in six. And, and, and it actually came true, which never happens. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it happened here. They just were a team that was, you know, moving in a really good direction against a team like Houston that was playing well. But the Braves just, they came out and did it. I mean, they lost Morton the first game and they didn't blink an eye. 
They really weren't coming into this hot. So were the Astros, though, for so for them to be able to be so dominant over them in this series. I mean, you've covered this team, the Braves, throughout the year. Can you kind of lay out this wasn't the team that they were in the midsummer around July? So kind of how did Atlanta become the team that won the World Series? Right. So I, I, I spent some time covering this team. I did some pre and post games for them. I was around their uh, their clubhouse and understood kind of, uh, how they were ticking. And I was covering the team at the end of July. And I basically, people were asking me, what do you think? And I'm like, I just don't think they're a playoff team. Now this is before they basically made all the trades. I think they had traded for Jock Peterson at that point, but they hadn't made the trade for Soler, Rosario or Duvall at that point. And so it just, they were not a team. And and I speaking to Brian Snicker the other day in the NL, uh, CS, he just said, listen, we weren't a playoff team. And then all of a sudden we got these other guys into the lineup and it was just a different team. So the reason that the Braves won the World Series is because of those trades. I mean, there is no doubt about it. Their their uh their pitching staff remained basically the same. I mean, they had the same guys that for most of the year and their pitching staff that made it happen. Um, but their outfield changed the game and is the reason they won the World Series because without these guys. I mean, you just look back at all the things that Rosario did, Peterson did, um, Duvall had some big games, and then Soler in the World Series. I mean, these are the these guys are the reason they won the World Series. I mean, Freddie Freeman had a great series. He had a great playoffs, but he's not the reason they won the World Series. The reason they won is because of the trades that Alex Anthopoulos made in the end of July to get their team a lineup that could compete. And when, what happens when you have guys that are veteran players that can – go up to bat and really make the opposing pitchers grind the opposing staff. It just wears them down. If they always have to make good pitches and you have veteran players, then it it just makes them be that much more fine for that much, like for that, for that longer, you know, I mean, like they have to be really good for a long time to beat this team. And this team just came together. I mean, Duvall's never played better than he has in a Braves uniform. Um, He's gone all over. He hasn't had as much success, but every time he's in a Braves uniform, he's just, um, you know, lights out. So uh, just a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys contributed, but the reason they they won this world series is because of the outfield. I mean, they lost Acuna early, earlier in the uh, year and, and everybody's like, all right, this just isn't going to be our year. They were up and down. They weren't a playoff team. Um, And then all of a sudden it just flip flopped and they just went on a roll and didn't ever look, look back ton of new faces doing work great front office work to put that roster together um, to be as successful as they have been but we did mention Freddie Freeman there are some faces that have been around for a while what does this win mean to them and kind of for the future of the organization yeah Freddie uh, you know he's a legend in that in that organization he'll probably retire his number one day I mean for what he's done Um, I couldn't help but think that uh they didn't they don't make the World Series and win the World Series this year without players like me that got them all these really good draft picks at the top of the, at the top of the draft. Uh, but um, Freddie Freeman is, is a great teammate, a great player. Um, you know, I, I think that he's got the best approach in baseball and it's not even close. Uh, what he does on a day in day out basis, he's just, he's so talented. His swing is so talented. His approach is so uh, talented and also um, disciplined that he just never wavers from that. And I couldn't be happier for a guy that I played with, but also a guy that really is a great face for baseball. I mean, this guy loves playing. He's really good at it. He's done it for a long time. And uh, I know that, that he and Brian Snicker um, are are just really, really excited to bring this championship back to Atlanta and knowing Snit 
Um, this is a long time coming because nobody gave him a chance for about 50 years. And uh, he got a chance, and he's just been amazing at the helm of the Braves. Um, a great person, um, also a great manager. He does. He makes all the right moves. Um, and uh, couldn't be happier for, for those two that I've actually spent some time with. I mean, not much more to say. They were just dominant, right? They were. They really were. Um, obviously, hopefully not the last we see of Freddie Freeman in Atlanta. He's going to be a free agent, so could be, but we're not quite sure yet. Um, they need a pony up. They need a pony up to keep him yes, there. I can't imagine that they can let him go made, now. They've made it difficult. He's going to want that money now for sure. Um, yeah. We appreciate all of you guys tuning in for our MLB Locked On Insider Reports throughout the season. Again, congratulations to the Braves on their World Series championship. Um, for our insider, Gordon Beckham, I'm Kainani Stevens. Locked on your team every day. All right, cool. Well, this is our World Series wrap-up thought. Jake, who are you happiest for on this team that just won the World Series? Yeah, that one that one's pretty easy. It's Freddie Freeman. I mean, he's the franchise player, the face of the franchise. I mean, uh, so he went through the, the entire rebuild, you know, signed an extension, knowing what this team was going to go through. I mean, to get here is so big for him. To me, uh, he still has a ways to go, but I think this kind of really helps his Hall of Fame candidacy. You think about it, he's got the MVP. Now he's got the World Series. You know, he puts five or six really good years together. I think he has a really good shot at being a Hall of Famer. So I think this is just a great milestone achievement for his, you know, just career as well. But just for everything he's been through for this franchise, you know, a second place here has to go to Brian Snicker. I mean, the guy is a Braves lifer. I mean, you know, to go through what he's gone through, you know, going through all the minor league years, working his way up, getting a shot as a manager, you know, here he is, you know, late in life and able to get a world series. I mean, I, I love it for Brian Snicker, you know, hasn't always agreed with his managerial tactics, but there is no doubt this team loves playing for him. They love him as their manager. And I'm so happy for him to get this in, you know, Hank Aaron as well. I mean, rest in peace, Hank. Uh, I mean, this season, you know, was for him. They had 44 in the outfield all year. So, um, you know, a lot yeah. of a lot of great, you know, feelings for this this Braves franchise. You know, Bobby Cox been battling illness for over a year now. You know, I know he's watching. I'm, I'm happy for him as well. And Brian Snicker will be able to take that trophy to him. So, you know, just a lot of people in this Braves franchise. I think Freddie Freeman, you know, is at the top of that list. Brian Snicker right there as well. So happy to see that pair be able to share that moment and win this World Series. You know, we talked a little bit about what Anthopolis and the front office and the scouts and all that, when they made the trades that basically – redesign their outfield at the last minute. And I think that's going to be a great, uh, I guess, template for people to follow, especially if they think that they're within striking distance. I'm thrilled for someone like Brian Snitker. And I hope that what it does, especially when you think about some of these teams that are trying to fill their managerial positions and try to find the right person to fit in, that they took someone who was a baseball lifer, who worked their way up, who managed, who was in the dugout, Yes, I know that most of the time they're getting dictated from by the front office, and no doubt there was all sorts of directives coming from the front office to snicker, but it's not the role is not called coach. The role is called manager, and I think that managing the clubhouse, managing the 
mindsets, managing the different egos. And think about what he had to manage in that club where you had the Asuna stuff overwhelming the first uh, half of the season, justifiably so. The completely just demoralizing loss, as you mentioned, of Acuna. And to be able to keep that team together, still sub-500 in early August, and at one point, when the Mets fell out of first, they it was the Phillies who were in first place in mid-August. To be able to take care of that, and I think there's no small part of that, is the fact that he had worked his way up, been part of the organization, and been a minor league manager and everything. And, you know, take note, Mets. Take note, Yankees. Take note some of the teams that have had managerial holes or made bizarre managerial decisions, that there's something to be said for that kind of experience. Yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman mentioned it after the game, too, in his post game, you know, how happy he was for Snicker, the guy who helped raise a lot of the prospects up in this brave system. And I mean, it just made them want to play for him even more. Uh, but uh, he was really good throughout this whole postseason. I think he managed circles around Dave Roberts in that Dodgers series. I thought he was yeah. really good in the World Series as well with the way he managed that bullpen uh, in mm-hmm. game four. In particular, they were down two to one late in that game. And he could have very well, you know, just went to Smiley or went to, you know, a low leverage reliever. But he decided to go for Matzik. He showed that he had faith in his offense to come back, and it paid off. They got the back-to-back home runs from Swanson and Solaire to take the lead. So, I mean, that was a huge move. And then even in game six, he shakes around the lineup a little bit. Ozzy Alves has been struggling in the three-hole. He moves him down to the seven-hole. And what happens? Ozzy gets the party started in that third inning. He gets the first hit of the game. He scores the first run of the game. He gets a walk later and scores on a Dansby Swanson home run. So, I mean, just great stuff from from Snicker. You know, he was he managed this this postseason. I thought some of the best managing that he's ever done. Yeah, he was fantastic, and and you know, obviously everything worked out well. I mean, they were the underdog against the Milwaukee Brewers. They were the underdog against the Los Angeles Dodgers, heavy underdogs against Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think they were, they were underdogs to the Astros as well. Unfortunately, the injury to Charlie Morton prevented him from becoming the first player to ever clinch a World Series, be the clinching pitcher of a World Series for two different franchises. There have been people who've done it in different uh, postseason series, like someone did an NLCS for one team, World Series for another, but no one has ever thrown the clinching pitch of two uh, World Series with two different franchises. And, of course, the great irony, if he did that, people would say, oh, I'm glad the Braves beat the Astros because the Astros were a bunch of cheaters, not knowing that Charlie Morton was on the mound for said World Series when he was a member of the Astros, but people don't think like that. But um, he showed, by the way, a level of toughness. Let's, let's, you know, we talk about how, you know, I don't talk like this, but people talk about how players are soft now compared to the past, which I think is a bunch of garbage. And uh, he pitched, what, a third of an inning with a broken foot? <laughs> yeah, more than that, I think. I think he yeah, got three or four, four outs. Batters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I mean, we didn't mention Max Reed got his ankle stepped on, like cleats and everything stepped on the second batter of this game. And that really seemed to fuel him. I don't know if it made him mad or what. I just think he he said, you know, I'm not going to let what happened last time happen. And it was really on fire after that. But yeah, I mean, 
he could have very easily been done after that. I mean, he got stepped on hard by Michael Brantley there uh, and came back and pitched. So, yeah, I mean, the Braves pitchers in this one, we talked about it, the pitching status in general, you know, really great and some really tough performances as well for Morton and Freed. Well, look at you know what you should do. You should just celebrate. Enjoy this. Or you were old enough for you. You probably don't remember 1995. I was seven. I remember Grissom catching the final out where I was. And all the rule that. of seven. That's the rule of seven. Yeah. I talk about on the podcast all the time. Your first concrete sport memories happens when you're around seven years old. So there you go. You just there you go. the rule of seven. But you know what? You've uh, it's been a long time, and Braves fans. Atlanta fans in general, uh, my friend Garvin as the batting stance guy brought up, should a Atlanta fan come to Houston hoping to see your team win the championship when you remember the fact that when the Falcons lost to New England in that come from behind Super Bowl, that was in Houston. So like, do you, do you, do you uh, kick the, the horse again? But fact of the matter is like, look at the Braves won. They deserved it. They're a deserving champion. And with that, baseball is gone. I didn't get my wish. You know, as an impartial outsider, uh, the game itself was a bit of a slog. I mean, there was not a lot of suspense, but it was, uh, it was an impressive showing by the Atlanta Braves, a deserving World Series champion. And um, who knows how good they'll be with Acuna healthy next year. So yeah. uh, give us one last thought, one last impression of how you're feeling right now with your team won the World Series, Jake Musk. <laughs> yeah, I'm elated. It's big. I mean, it's been a long time since 1995. The Braves have been to the postseason a ton since then and just haven't been able to close the deal. You talk about Atlanta sports, you know, the struggles they have closing things out historically. So, I mean, it just feels like a huge weight has been lifted off the shoulders, you know, of the, the city of Atlanta to be able to get this done, you know, Freddie Freeman to get it done, to get that world series. Now they got to go out and sign him, which will happen soon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm ecstatic. I'm, ex- I'm excited for all those guys, that group of guys in that clubhouse, excited for the city of Atlanta to get it done like that, to get it done convincingly too. I mean, you know, I know as an outsider, you know, that game wasn't exciting, but you know, for Braves fans, you know, that's exactly what you wanted. You didn't want to have to sweat that out with, you know, the history of Atlanta sports franchises. So just so excited, you know, for the city of Atlanta to get that championship with this window too. I mean, the Braves, you know, went through the rebuild. They brought these guys up, you know, the the Swansons, the Albies, the the Freemans, the Freeds, you know, unfortunately Soroka was injured too, not able to be here. But Ian Anderson, you know, another guy uh, that they developed. So, you know, to be able to do it with this group of guys, to see it come to fruition, you know, in their window to win, to be able to do it, it just feels so good. Kind of get that monkey off the back, that good feeling. Because I think this team is just in the beginning. I think they'll be back. But now they have this out of the way. You know, they were able to get past the Dodgers you know, beat, beat the Astros in the World Series. So it's just a great feeling for, this, for the franchise, for the city of Atlanta. All right. Well, look at Jake Mastro. Where can people listen to your great podcast? Yeah, you can listen to me over at Locked On Braves. Follow us at Locked On underscore Braves. And you can follow me on Twitter at Shortstop Ball. All right. And you can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Once again, thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen, which were available on all the free podcast catchers. And, hey, have Locked On Braves be your second listen. Why not? 
Why not? And we could sell some built bars here. But hey, this has been Locked On MLB. The Braves are the champs. And we're going to look to see if they can be the first National League team to win back-to-back World Series titles since the big red machine of the 1970s. This has been Locked On MLB. For an episode which is being dropped on the third day of November, 2021. Thank you, Jake Mastriani. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>